Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show here on the Culture Jack podcast. I know it's a late one. Thanks for staying up late for me. This is Dustin. I'm your host for the Friday show. I well, I'm I'm usually your host for the Friday show. Actually, I think 100% I've been your host for the Friday show. I know Anthony did fill in for me one time on the Culture Jack news desk, but that was a very unique situation. I don't think he has yet to have an opportunity to host the Friday show. I think I've hosted Monday Madness at one point. Anyway, if you're new here on the Culture Jack podcast or here on the Friday show, uh, we talk about tech, games, movies, uh, news within those industries. We occasionally we'll review an episode of a show that we're watching or a movie that we've watched on a, on a semi-regular Saturday show that we do. But this Friday show thing, let's talk about this for a minute. Like this is usually a show that comes out. It usually comes out early Friday morning. Now, because of reasons, uh, the show has been waylaid. And if you follow us on Facebook, you follow me on TikTok. You'll know that I, for one, I'd like to say that I think it was very generous of me to let you know that this show would be delayed. So you would not wait with bated breath until the show actually came out, but moreover would have a chance to reschedule the Culture Jack podcast in your calendar, on your phone, or on your computer. So one, very generous of me. Two, I'm really sorry about it. I'm sorry because I know as a creature of routine how how much it it physically hurts when your routine is broken. It's Friday. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I hope it was real good. I I hope that souffle that you made turned out excellent. I hope that every day that you had to uh, cook the kids dinner, you were able to get out a healthy and nutritious dinner for your children uh, or Maybe you had to go to McDonald's one day during the week. And that's a that's a fine thing to do. What a weird week for scheduling it has been for the Culture Jack podcast. Well, at least this side of the Culture Jack podcast. If you listen to Anthony's shows on Sunday and Monday, you'll know that man, he runs like a, a well-oiled machine. He is the, <laughs> he's the, the clock in Grand Central Station, like right on time all the time. But for me... I put out the Culture Jack News Desk, the the Thursday show, the Thursday video game news show on Wednesday. So it was a day early. And the reason I did that, though, was because we got the big news that Microsoft had purchased Activision or no, not had purchased, but brought forward their intent to purchase Activision in a in a deal that will most likely be finalized probably in the middle of next year and sometime in 2023. And since that revelation, everyone has been a buzz. And so I, of course, had to get in on the action as quick as I could. And so that's why I slapped together a news desk show and put it out a day early on Wednesday. And now we're here on Friday. And Friday I was going to talk all about CES. But as this Activision Microsoft deal has been roiling around in my brain, as it has been roiling around in the brains of industry insiders and experts all across video games, I, I think I've come to some, some pretty good revelations. And 
some of those that I'm seeing not shared as prolifically as the majority of people that thought Microsoft was going to use Activision to bolster their exclusive lineup, but these theories that this might actually not be such a devastating blow to PlayStation diehards, to Sony fans, to people that have PlayStation 4s and 5s that you know, Call of Duty and all of these other Activision games were going to be pulled from the shelves and never to be seen again in the hands of PlayStation gamers. So I'm starting to think this is a move by Microsoft uh, to put Sony in a very hard place. And I said uh, on, on Wednesday's show on the news desk, I said that I thought that eventually there's a very real possibility that the Game Pass subscription service is going to come to Sony, it's going to come to Nintendo, and it's going to be just another app. It's going to be like having Netflix on your phone. You've got Game Pass on your phone. I also expect, and I want the the people that think us prescient minds here at Culture Jacked, I want you to know that I also think that is going to have a massive rebranding as just Game Pass. It's going to it's not going to be Xbox Game Pass anymore at some point in time, whether that's the next year, the next two years, I don't think anyone anticipates it being this year, but I think they're going to rebrand as Game Pass and Game Pass will be an app that you have on any of your devices, not just your Xbox devices, not just your phones or your computers, but your televisions as well, and maybe your Playstations, maybe your Nintendo Switches also. But it will be right there next to Netflix and Pandora Music and Game Pass. That's where you're going to find it. And so that's why I think that this is actually a good thing for Sony fanboys because at first pass, you might go, oh no, all of our Call of Duties. <laughs> oh no, our Call of Duty, it's broken. You might say, oh no, we're not going to get Call of Duty anymore. And for a time, that may be true. Uh, Xbox, Phil Spencer did come out and reply to Sony when Sony said that we do expect Microsoft to honor the agreements that it had in terms of Call of Duty on PlayStation consoles. Because like we said on Wednesday, Call of Duty is a major game seller. Like they make an annual game and it's a testament to how, how much Activision was dedicated to Call of Duty that they have... I don't remember how many studios we talked about on Wednesday, but many of those studios, a lot of those resources for those studios were dedicated on making sure that Call of Duty came out year after year after year as an annual release. And so, one, I think Call of Duty is not going to be an annually released game anymore. After this acquisition finally finalizes, the the only probably not even annual, probably quarterly uh, thing you're going to get from Call of Duty is those updates to Warzone. And Warzone, I expect to continue to be on Sony PlayStation consoles as well as on Microsoft. Call of Duty games going forward may appear as exclusive games to the Xbox, similarly to, to what they said they would do with Bethesda when the next Elder Scrolls uh, comes out. Now, this is all to all to say, uh, oh, oh, the Sony thing. So, so, so Sony said, I expect 
uh, or we expect Microsoft will honor their agreements. Microsoft came out, and I have the quote by Phil Spencer here. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting one. Oh, Netflix had something to say about it as well. Let me see here. So <clears throat> Phil Spencer, in response, seemingly to this Sony quote, said, I had good calls this week with leaders at Sony. I confirmed our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. He put this out in a tweet. Now, a lot of people are picking apart that statement and with very good reason. It is kind of a nothing burger of a statement. It is kind of a just corporate talk for, hey, we're going to do best by our consumers and our partners alike. The thing about that statement is there is the, the word intent and the word desire are very prominent within that statement. And so, yeah, we would love to see Call of Duty games on PlayStation. We would love to have uh, Sony fanboys be able to play Call of Duty. We, we desire uh, them to have access to these games. I mean, but that's really up to Sony. That's really up to PlayStation if they, if they decide to put the Game Pass app on Sony platforms. On PlayStation. And so this is why I think that it's a good thing because it has given Microsoft a huge, uh, a huge leverage to put this Game Pass app on PlayStation 5. Whereas before, you know, Sony was talking about, you know, coming out with a Game Pass competitor, which is good. And I, I think they should still do because it, imagine this future if you will, for a second. And I know this is disorganized and, <laughs> and disjointed, as are all of my podcast episodes. So if you're new here, you might be jarred, you might be shaken, you might just be shook to your very core. But people that have listened for a long time will go, oh yeah, no, we know this guy. He'll, he'll get to a point. He's got a point. He might lose it in there. He might come back to it. Or he might lead up to it and never make the point and then just move on like he does so often. So <clears throat> what I think though is Sony will eventually develop their Game Pass competitor, but I don't think it's going to be much of a competitor in the same way that we have Netflix. And Netflix was the pioneering agency when it came to streaming movies and streaming television shows. I think Microsoft and Microsoft has said as much that they want to be the Netflix of gaming is positioning them themselves to be that premier subscription service when it comes to gaming and later on streaming games when uh, they move away from the Xbox entirely and it's just a fire stick that you put in the side of your TV or is an app that is included with the TV already when streaming becomes good enough. But for people that me like me that live in a podunk town in the middle of nowhere where Internet's no good, maybe you could consider some storage options for us to actually download games on your subscription service. But I digress. So once we get these apps out there, and I think when Game Pass, because I think it's only inevitable now that Game Pass appears on PlayStation, those, those folks that have a PlayStation 5 will have the option still to play not only the Call of Duty games that they lost in the Activision 
acquisition, not only the Elder Scrolls and the Fallout games that they lost in the, the Bethesda acquisition, but they'll also get an opportunity to play all of those other Xbox exclusive games, which will at that point no longer be considered Xbox exclusive. They will be considered Game Pass exclusive. And furthermore, Game Pass, Microsoft, may deem it necessary to make a discounted tier for PlayStation users. And hell, if the, if the folks at Sony work with Microsoft, as well as the folks with, at Sony working with Disney, uh, maybe we will see a Sony list of exclusive games be rolled into Game Pass as well, which I only can I only can say is exciting. Now, this is all <laughs> in, like I said in my last episode, in in kind of the the midterm to to short term kind of kind of area. In the long term, this kind of consolidation, this kind of super gathering of properties and studios and developers is probably a bad thing because it can stymie innovation. Now, to Phil Spencer and Xbox and Microsoft's credit, they have done a really good job so far in letting these studios fly and saying that you have all of the autonomy of the studio that you had before, but now you just have this super powerhouse of backing coming from Microsoft's coffers. We have a very large purse and we will allow you to dip into it. Not to mention now that all of these studios are under the same umbrella with uh, Phil Spencer being the, the head of gaming at Microsoft, they will all be able to work together. So to that end as well, you could say that Activision was kind of eating itself out. What the fuck did I just say? <laughs> it was eating itself from the inside. Good Lord. Activision. No wonder you weren't getting anything but Call of Duty games done. Because to put out a Call of Duty game every year, you have to you have to dedicate a huge amount of resources to it. So I don't think Call of Duty will be an annual game anymore, but I think that's to the betterment of the the individual licenses under the Activision banner. And Phil Spencer has said as much that he wants to bring back some of these long dead IPs. One of them was Prototype. I didn't even realize that was an Activision game, but Prototype was amazing. And I'd love to see what a modern piece of hardware could do with that particular that particular license. Okay, let's see. Uh, so Netflix, I wanted to bring up the Netflix quote here. So Netflix said, uh, it was exciting to see the activity in the space in reference to the Activision Microsoft deal. Netflix CEO, not CEO, COO and Chief Product Officer Greg Peters said during the company's latest earnings briefing. He said, and I think to some degree, it's an endorsement of the core thesis that we have around subscription being a great model to connect consumers around the world with games and experiences. Uh... Shut up, Netflix. You are nowhere close to getting your gaming subscription service off the ground. I think it's easier to do it this way where you are a gaming company first moving into a streaming company rather than a streaming company moving into a gaming company. But that's just that's just what I think about Netflix moving into gaming. 
they also talked about more immersive ways to game with Netflix, more interactive. I don't know if there's a more interactive medium than games in general, but we'll see. We'll see what they can do. Okay, okay. Just, just want to showcase some of the the articles that I've been seeing online here recently, just with a Google search. Um, Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard deal uh, shows big tech metaverse push. I don't really see the connection yet. Although Phil Spencer did mention that he, he had a, a meeting with the Elder Scrolls Online team in Elder Scrolls Online. So take that as what you will, whether he's just trying to get, you know, cool points and gaming street cred, that, that may be the case. I don't see this whole metaverse angle yet. I do see the mobile gaming angle with the acquisition of King, but I don't see anything else. Let's see what else is in the news about this whole deal. Xbox CEO Phil Spencer on reviving old Activision games. We talked about that a little bit. Can Microsoft's acquisition cure Activision Activision's toxic workplace? Now that's something that most likely will happen as it becomes more corporate. Um, not to say that Activision wasn't corporate. It was just run by apparently uh, frat boys with Bobby Kotick at the helm. Microsoft promises culture change at Activision Blizzard. Sony takes a big hit in the console wars. So this is an article from CNN. I'm not going to read the article, but it, it prompts a, a good idea in my head here. I heard in talking about this that this became less about the console wars and it is moving into something that people are already coining the content wars. Because if Microsoft has all these studios, if PlayStation has all these games and licenses, they're looking for who has the best ones. And if Sony figures themselves backed into a corner because of this deal and deals like it, Microsoft now has the leverage to push Game Pass onto Sony, which could find more of a symbiotic relationship between Sony and Microsoft than we have maybe ever seen before. And boy, if I, you know, don't don't say it too loudly, but if I could pay an extra two or three dollars to play Sony exclusive games on Game Pass on my Xbox, well, shoot, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And I can imagine there's a bunch of Sony players that feel similarly to playing Microsoft exclusive games, maybe if they only had to pay a couple other dollars. And even if Call of Duty were to go exclusively to Xbox on Game Pass, but still be available for purchase for a Sony PlayStation guy, well, I mean, that's $70 in comparison to the monthly fee and not the monthly fee just getting you Call of Duty, but getting you a whole host, a whole library of games as well. Uh, Microsoft Activision's Blizzard bailout. This person's feeling pessimistic about the acquisition. Um, yeah, th those were just some <clears throat> some extra thoughts that I had about the whole Microsoft Activision purchase or intended purchase because it hasn't gone through yet. It's got the whole industry in a, in a buzz. And I was listening to the guys over at GameScoop one of my one of my favorite gaming podcasts. Uh, they were talking about like all of these just moments of of reflection and epiphany that they were having because of this deal. And Justin, one of the best guys on the show, by the way, uh, especially when he goes ah, he <laughs> he was talking about just sitting there thinking, and then it just popped into his head that oh yeah. Microsoft owns World of Warcraft now, which 
you know, may not seem huge, but maybe World of Warcraft now comes to Game Pass for PC. Uh, maybe World of Warcrafts no longer has a a a fee that goes along when the, that subscription service is over for Game Pass subscribers, and it's all rolled into into Game Pass. Maybe there's a world where we get some massive online component or World of Warcraft type game on consoles in the future. I mean, who knows? Who knows? It's it's all it's all very crazy stuff. So I wanted to talk to you more about that. And I I think whenever I have a wild hair, whenever I hear some more news, whenever I hear someone else talk about it passionately, I will probably have some more ideas uh, to share, more thoughts to share on it. And again, Anthony, I know I asked you in the last episode, but if you have some big kinds of feelings about this, this acquisition, by gosh, please, please weigh in. The other thing that I actually, I wanted to talk about on this episode was CES. So CES uh, just happened, the 2022 Consumer Electronics Show just happened, oh, well, two weeks ago now, three weeks ago, January 5th through 7th, I believe were, were the dates. And there's always some cool stuff coming out of CES, and I'm probably the least well-equipped person on this podcast to talk about it. Anthony is much more of a tech guy than I am. So he might have some highlights from CES as well. Uh, but here are some, <laughs> here are some highlights, I guess, from CES. I, I found a, a kind of recap of the, of the show on digital trends. So you can go check this out yourself if you'd like, but here's some of the things that I thought were pretty neat. So Samsung is coming out with a eco remote that <laughs> it charges off of radio waves. It's it's a like a solar powered remote, but also it charges off of your router's radio waves and it turns those into energy. So you don't essentially you're not going to run out of batteries with this particular remote. So that was kind of interesting. Sony dropped the world's first quantum dot OLED TV. Apparently they're just getting better and better. I think I have a, I have a Samsung OLED TV. It's a, you know, high resolution resolution 4k TV. It's a beautiful TV. I don't see how they get any better, but then I was saying the same thing when we went from VHS to DVD and still there are some oh man, really wonky looking things when it comes to high definition television. But Quantum Dot, it's supposed to be really, really good. There's an LG TV um, that I guess is is smaller than and than a lot of these big ticket item TVs. Is a 42 inch variant of the high end C series OLED TV, and apparently gamers are really excited about this. It is, um, oh shit. LG had a 97-inch OLED TV, and they teased a 136-inch 4K HDR micro LED TV as well. But this one's really small, I guess. I just took a bunch of screen caps, see if things were, were interesting to me. And I love technology. But whenever I look at a show like this, whenever I, I see things... Um, that are, are super cool, neat electronics, very futuristic looking things. It reminds me that I don't need 
any of the shit. Like I, <laughs> I, uh, I could go, I, I could go without any of it. NFTs constant theme in this year's media constant theme in electronics in gaming. Samsung has a TV that is going to allow you to showcase your NFT art with. So that's kind of interesting. Samsung also has a new freestyle projector. Uh, it's $900 and essentially what it looks like. I don't know if you've seen the microphone that I'm using to do this, this podcast, I put up videos and stuff with it in it, but it's got like a base and then two arms that stick out and they hold the microphone on the side. This projector looks similar to that where it's got these two arms out the side that hold onto the sides of this projector, which is a, a cylinder looking thing and it can pivot, uh, you know, it can go from 30 inch screen to a hundred inches and it looks like it'd be great for putting a movie or a video game up on the ceiling. Uh, looks really cool. And like, I had no need for a projector. I was not shopping around for projectors before I started looking into the CES stuff. But looking at this this projector, I'm like, I want that. I want that. All of this is, is I want stuff. Uh, TCL's giant 98-inch 4K TV is under $8,000, a little over $7,500. I don't get it, man. I don't, that's a huge TV. I don't think I have enough room in my house to get far enough away from a TV like that to make it worthwhile. I could replace one of my windows with it, I suppose. Gosh, it's a big TV. Uh, Intel certified will soon have better webcams. Apparently, Intel has a Evo certification that uh, makes sure that all of the hardware has to meet certain specifications. And that is now, uh, the, the low end has to be a 720p webcam. HP's new desktop, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Okay, uh, what is this one? It's a highly modular computer right into the desk. Oh, oh, Razer, Project Sophia. I did watch the video for this. So Project Sophia is a modular desk, essentially, that has a built-in monitor, but you can swap out pieces of the desk for different hardware. Hardware that monitors computer performance, that, that has the, the computer tower right in it, or that has the um, computer components right in it. Okay, let's see, this is what it says. There are 13 different modules you can customize and swap out for whatever you want, like chat windows, uh, QI chargers, monitors, temperature readouts, touchscreen app launchers, and there was somewhere that I read that you could put a, a coffee cup warmer in it as well. 17-inch foldable OLED laptops are big at this year's show. There were a couple there. CyberPower's PC's latest PC case it's a breathing PC case. So I watched the video on this thing and it's for a, a computer tower, obviously, but it has what look like little geometric triangles all over the front side of this, of this tower and cooling and, and breathing and airflow is very important when it comes to any kind of gaming device, especially high end computers. But this one, these little triangular pieces would 
open and closed based on the airflow requisite to, to keep the computer running at optimum performance. So I thought that was really cool looking. It looks <laughs> super unnecessary. Like you could have just had little vent flaps that opened and closed a little bit more, but there's these huge articulating, not huge articulating, but a huge amount of articulating small triangles that open and close like a cyborg breathing, I guess. Then we've got a router that follows you. The Archer AXE 200 Omni router has four antennas that automatically fold out and swivel to grab the best possible signal for your devices. So that could be a little creepy to look at if you, I suppose, paid a little more attention to your router. Uh, what else? Samsung Arc is a, a really cool looking curved monitor. Well, how big was it? Uh, it's 55 inches. And it's curved, but it can. it's also on a stand that can swivel so it, it's vertical. So it's great for your TikTok videos. <laughs> if you want to watch Dustin or Anthony over on TikTok, uh, you can. Those links are in the description as well. But that would be where you could watch it on your new Samsung Odyssey Arc. Uh, in phones, there was a 200 megapixel camera coming. And this, it cracked me up because I have, I have no point of reference. I'm not a photographer, so I'm, I'm not like, oh my God, 200 megapixels. That's a lot. But they have created the world's smallest pixel at 0.61 microns in size. And if that micron uh, unit of measurement sounds familiar to you, it's because maybe you've been hearing about it with the coronavirus pandemic over the last few years, and you've been hearing about the micron size of the actual COVID-19 virus. And the COVID-19 virus, get this, is 0.1 microns large. So this pixel that they have built is only six times larger than the actual coronavirus. So I mean, uh, you know, take that for what you will. Um, don't breathe it in, wear a mask. <laughs> so you don't breathe in any of these pixels, I guess. So some stuff on phones, uh, they had a, a lot of like smart home things. And uh, what I will say about smart homes is this is smart homes are great. And it'd be great to just use a voice command to your phone or, you know, uh, do a, a quick input into your phone and have the lights turn up and down or the heat turn turn off because it's too hot or the door unlock for a friend that's coming over for dinner. Uh, you know, have all the, all the cameras monitor the inside and the outside of your house. If these systems are connected to the internet, to Wi-Fi in any way, which many of them are, they're routed through your, your wireless router and that's how they operate. That's how they function. They are vulnerable to uh, a, a security breach of some kind. And so, yeah, it'd be great to let your neighbor in to feed your cat. But when, you know, that super cyber savvy teenager down the road knows how to hack these things from his personal phone, he all of a sudden has access to your house. He all of a sudden has access to all of the cameras that you, you, you use, but he just uses to see if you're gone or sees, you know, if your children are home alone and that maybe is paranoid, but gosh, dang, man, there's nothing like a good old fashioned deadbolt that you can turn 
yourself. And I know the, you know, regular locks have their weaknesses as well. And I am obviously not built for the future because these kinds of things give me anxiety and they make me, they make me nervous. But Masonite International showcased a new smart door at CES 2022. Uh, and they have two of the big biggest names in the industry, Ring and Yale. Uh, it comes with integrated power, LED lights, a Ring video doorbell, and a Yale smart lock. Oh, that's not how you, that's not how you move in. Another one makes me nervous. A monitor that keeps an eye on your baby with AI. So it's Chillax's new baby monitor. Uh, it's got a 1080p webcam, more efficient at detecting when a baby has rolled over and whether they're sleeping and breathing all right. Uh, plus, it has a privacy switch that instantly cuts its connection to Wi-Fi. I've got two children, and they used to be babies, as we all were, and... If you look at the grand scale of the cosmos, you might say that we still are. But when they were when they were small, one they slept in a little bassinet by my bed, and I had enough fits waking up in the middle of the night wondering if they were still breathing. Just as a parent, you do you do things like that. Having a device intended for your child that specifically has a privacy switch that instantly cuts its connection to Wi-Fi is a terrifying concept. I, I think at CES, more so than my my need and my want to do some uh, sporadic shopping spree, is also my belief that the episodes of Black Mirror are getting ever, ever closer to our current reality and future. Uh, so Samsung, they made a smart home controller uh, that, you know, connects all of your smart devices, your Nest heater, your Ring doorbell, your Chillax baby monitor, and the, and the rest. Uh, the Evo e Ecovax, Ecovax D-Bot X1 cleans your home. So basically, it's like a Roomba that will clean itself as well. And some other, other smart home appliances, Whirlpool Smart Oven. Now doubles as an air fryer, which I mean, of course, why wouldn't you just another way of convection cooking? The thing about smart appliances are, and I, I think I read that maybe it was in this article as well. A lot of these companies were talking about how there's such a wide variety of appliances within your home that are smart appliances that are hooked up to Wi-Fi, but the, the level of communication between them is not as desirable as it could be. And so they were talking about making making these things more universal when it comes to their connectivity and the way that they, for one, communicate with each other. A terrifying message, if you are a fan of the show on Netflix, Love, Death, and Robots, or any of the Black Mirror shows, and there's also a foreign film coming out where they're, you know, robots made for convenience take over that sort of dystopian future kind of thing comes to pass as well. A light bulb that tracks your sleep and your heart rate. Uh, a smart microwave. <laughs> I was just sent a funny TikTok from my brother and it was about microwaves and the inventor of microwaves and said, all right, guys, what should we do? What should we put together for a microwave? And, and the one guy says, we should do a, we should do 
several buttons that indicate the type of food that you want to cook and you just you press it you put in the weight and that kind of food it cooks automatically so that's a great idea so we should also have a, a popcorn button so we push the popcorn and you know pops popcorn he says that's a great idea he says we should have a defrost button so if you want to defrost food before you cook it in other me- other methods and means well you'll have an opportunity to do that as well and the guy says well that's 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 all great and then another guy this guy's playing all three guys of course he says it should have a clock. <laughs> and the guy's like, why would it have a clock? And he's like, in case you want to tell the time. And he's like, but it's an appliance. It's for cooking. And he says, but it should have a clock. And he says, is this an appliance or is it a clock? And the other guy says, I I don't know. All appliances are clocks. And he says, but is it a clock? And he said, it's a clock. <laughs> okay. When relaying TikTok comedy sketches that you receive from your brother, they're never as funny as when they are recanted or recounted in in kind of a a verbal narration without any visual stimuli. So I apologize. I apologize for that. It was really funny. If you can find that one, you should. So that's a smart microwave by Alexa. Oh, okay. So a lot of vehicles. There were a lot of stories about uh, vehicles going electric, about Sony developing uh, a electric, what is it? A, a total of 40 sensors are installed inside and outside of the vehicle to monitor safety. It's a, a SUV prototype model called the Sony Vision S SUV. But one of the coolest things about uh, vehicles that I saw at this CES or that was on this list, as a matter of fact, was BMW has a color-changing paint on one of their cars. Now, this color-changing paint only oscillates between three colors, white, black, and gray, and it's built with e-ink, kind of the same the same technology that, um, the same technology that the Kindle e-readers have. And I looked up the video of this thing and oh my gosh, it's so cool. It's like a chameleon car. It's, it's absolutely bananas. And the creators said that the reason they wanted to oscillate between these different colors is to optimize uh, their energy efficiency in the car. When it's a very hot day, they want to turn it white. So it will reflect more sun. When the day is a little bit colder, they want to turn the car black. So it will absorb more heat, thus making the vehicle not have to work so hard to maintain its own uh, temperatures, which I think is a good idea. But I think they're absolutely missing the point when they say this is for energy optimization within the vehicle, because what it's really for is Jason Statham as the transporter. Imagine he's driving this BMW in a high speed car chase, pulls down an alley, the car all of a sudden on the other side is now black when it was once white. He can get away in any situation. They just need to include the uh, license plate change technology like he had in those movies. So yeah, beyond that though, for vehicles like the Chevy uh, Silverado, Silverado goes electric. Um, it goes 400 miles on a single charge and delivers up to 664 horsepower and 780 uh, pound-feet of torque. Oh, it also is uh, zero, 0 to 60 in 4.5 seconds. I, I mean, I'm not a car guy. Maybe pretty good good cars. 
We got Sony, a Mercedes next-gen electric car can go about 621 miles on a single charge. So if there's any doubt that if there's any doubt that vehicles and the automotive industry are leaning toward electric vehicles, you know, in the same vein as like the Teslas and the Volts and all that, uh, let that be dismissed. Let that be put to bed right away. And then in gaming at CES, we've got the Keymander Nexus is essentially a HDMI router, maybe, uh, that, that allows you to switch between your different devices. Razer's Inky Pro HyperSense chair will respond to game action, so vibration and tilt, lift uh, vertically, backwards, forwards, to the side. God, I think that would be disorienting. When I'm gaming, outside of you know doing something hyper immersive like a VR or an AR thing, I think I want to be kicking back the remote in my lap and having a, a good time. That's that's what I think I want to do. HTC Vive VR headset gets a new wrist tracker, uh, a screenless gaming console for kids. Now, when when you hear that, you probably thought the same thing that I thought when I read it. I was like, what the hell? How are you going to have a screenless console? But essentially what you have is you've got these sticks and they look kind of like the, you know, the old PlayStation Move controllers that had like the little the little ball on the top of them and like the oblong thing you put in your hand. Well, they're like that. And the, the game that they talked about here is Zombie Run. And you, you run around outside and the controller vibrates when you get close to a zombie. So you have to run away from these zombies or run to them. I don't know what kind of diverse levels of gaming we can see on this. Like, how are they going to develop all kinds of different games for this? But I guess it, it, it strikes me as when I was younger, we got a laser tag set. And there were four breastplates with the, the back, back plates as well and then four guns, and we ran around and shot guns at each other on these, and they weren't hugely accurate, but they were a lot of fun. I feel like this could be something similar. I think it could be something as popular, but oh, laser tag is so much fun. NVIDIA's $249 GPU. Uh, so this apparently is in a big news. As you know, I'm not a PC gamer guy. I hate this because every one of these things that I'm talking, I'm like, uh, uh, check out this phone. I'm not a phone guy, technically. Hey, check out this this vehicle. I'm not an automotive guy, technically. Hey, check out this GPU. I'm not a computer guy, technically. I feel like I'm underprepared to report on any of this, but it's pretty neat. Apparently, this RTX 3050 uh, starts at just $249, which I guess is pretty dang cheap, um, and it supports Ampere architecture, ray tracing at 60 frames per second, and 1080p and eight gigabytes of GDDR6 memory and third gen tensor cores for DLSS upscaling. What all that means, I don't know. But what I've been told is it means that there is a less expensive option for those people that want to build PCs. And there was another one. There was another one that had that was pretty cheap as well. I'm not sure which which one it was, but there was a one of their competitors. Maybe it was Ryzen. Or are they the same thing as NVIDIA? No, no, they're not. They can't be. AMD claims the world's fastest gaming processor, and it's the first processor to take advantage of the 3D vCache technology, 
and it allows them to stack the cache on top of the chip and fit an additional 64 megabytes of cache. Compared to its predecessor, the Ryzen 5800X3D delivers up to a 15% improvement in games at 1080p. Okay, if it sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about while I was reading that, well, you'd be correct. Alienware has the world's first QD OLED gaming monitor, and that was Quantum Dots, I think is the correct term. HyperX's new wireless gaming headset has 300-hour battery, which is great. I've got a Turtle Beach, I think, and it's pretty good. I don't know if it's 300 hours good. But shoot, I can go a week with that thing without having to charge it. Maybe even more. Uh, Razer's 2022 Blade notebooks are more refined than ever. I don't care. Anyway, a lot of notebook stuff, a lot of uh, small screens becoming bigger screens, foldable stuff. If you haven't seen anything from CES, this Digital Trends article is really good. Gave me a lot of good jumping off points to find some really neat stuff that, again, I just wanted. It's not like I had to have it. It's not like, oh man, this is broken. I need to go find a new one of these or, oh, this isn't working well or, oh, this is absent in my life. I need it. It's on the list. None of this is on the list. None of this is stuff that I needed, but it was very interesting stuff to see. And as soon as I see it, then I want it. And then I get further into debt than I already am. <laughs> That's all I'm talking about today on the Friday show. Thank you so much for stopping by. We talked about the Microsoft Activision acquisition. Like, that's big gaming news. And it is, like I said in Wednesday's episode of the News Desk, it is news that we are going to be talking about at least until E3. And then beyond E3, after the acquisition takes place and more announcements are made as to what they are doing with exclusivity of the games, what they are doing with Game Pass, whether that's coming to PlayStation, whether it's coming to Nintendo, whether it's coming to my Samsung TV. Who knows? I, I mean, only time will tell. And we'll continue the conversation as more news develops, as uh, more of these things are put to bed and put to rest. We will be right there for you to talk about all of it all of it with you all the, all the time? Well, you know, on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Friday, and then probably not on Saturday because we're just talking movies on Saturday. I just want to remind you that we are taking the month of March off. We're having a little Culture Jack spring break. We're going to sip some Mai Tais. We're going to kick our feet back. We're going to let our vocal cords rest. Uh, so if you want to listen to us in March, we will probably still be putting out one episode a week, but... That uh, episode of Monday Madness that you get on February 28th is going to be your last episode for about a month before we get back into our regular uh, five, five episodes a week schedule. It can be hard on a guy putting out this much all the time, all for you. So we're going to take a well-deserved break. Thank you very much. If you want to get a hold of us and tell us how much you don't want us going on break, how much this is going to devastate your personal routine, you creature of habit, you, you can get a hold of us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CultureJacked. You can also find us on YouTube. We're putting out archived episodes every Wednesday uh, over there at the CultureJacked YouTube channel. I've got a community on Beams. You can come talk to me on Beams. We'll have our own little mini podcast together. 
And what else? How else can you get a hold? You can email us at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. We usually put out five shows a week. We've got this one, the Friday show, the late night Friday show. We've got on today's episode where we review a movie or a show that we're watching or have just watched. Then on Sunday is the Weekend Wire. Mondays, Monday Madness. Those two are Anthony's shows. And then on Thursday, we've got the Culture Jack News Desk. Oh, not to forget Wednesday, where we've got those archived episodes for you on YouTube. Not to mention, we're putting out content left and right on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So follow us there, please. You can check out our TikToks. Anthony and I are both on TikTok. We do different things. It's a lot of this. It's a lot of advertising for this, mostly for me anyway. Uh, that's it for the Friday show. I hope you had a wonderful week, and I hope your weekend's better. Cheers. Thank you.